Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about paranormal occurrences around wars. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. Shout-outs going out to our patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. Shout-outs to Tamara Amber, Gary Tracy Matthew, Sandy Kelly, Joe the Beast, Kick-Ass Magic Robot Webcomic, Lionel, Sandy, Page, Kyle, Sean, Andrew, Scott, Andrea, Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Nessa, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties. I love them. Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Jen, Alexandra, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that? Carrie, Ezram, Robin, Will, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Deshaun, Bishop, Stacy, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Scostin, Lindsay, Han, Megan, Matt, Amy, Jeff, T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, the Lauren Strawn, hey, howdy, hi, Veronica, Autumn, J, Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Danashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah, Hendrickson, Dan, Laura, Pitts, and GamerFan. With two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and Stitch. All righty, before we keep moving on here, I wanted to check out, uh, see what you guys want to do. If you want to have more of the live call-in shows, I was thinking, you know, I'm like, I miss the live call-in shows. If for no other reason than just chatting with everybody on there, I didn't even really um, release, I didn't release at all, the last couple live call-in shows, even though I had good callers and stuff, I just, you know, I was like, you know, it's kind of just for us. It's kind of a private thing. I haven't recorded, so maybe... I'll edit those down and make like just a live call-in show compilation episode coming up soon. But uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys want to have more of those live call-in shows? If so, let me know. Throw Head on over to the, you know, the Facebook pages or on Twitter or whatever your social media um, or online presence happens to be, Gmail, whatever. You can email me at paranormalmanac at gmail.com. But let me know if you guys want to have more of those live call-in shows. I'm uh, starting to miss them, but... If there's not a lot of, you know, people that want them, that's fine. You know, maybe I'll make them once every other month or so. But anyhow, let me know what you think. All right, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash Paranormal Almanac for all your Paranormal Almanac merch needs. I think the sale is still going on. They started a sale the other day. I bought four of my shirts and three of my stickers because I like my merch. I wanted my own merch. So I figured, why the hell not? Why am? Why do I have to not like my merch or not buy my own merch? I don't mind it. All righty. So, yeah, head over there. Head on. Uh, so, yeah, that's out of the way. Let's uh, let's get right on into paranormal news. I want to get this episode out of the way. Get everything in for you guys. Ghost team is a haunt the night. Strange objects fly through the sky. Shadow people are spending the night again. Black-eyed children knock on my door. 
I just realized it made it sound like when I said, hey, I just kind of want to get this, get, get rid of this episode or get done with it. That's not what I meant. I meant I wanted to get this episode out to you guys. So, like, you know, wanted to get, you know, get into it. But, uh, man, I love that intro music. If you guys want to send in some, your own paranormal uh, news intro music, you can do that. You can send it on over to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com because I'm, I'm looking for more. I love the stuff that I have, and I've got a bunch of it, but I'm always looking for more, especially... For the 200th episode, which is coming up very soon. I think I'm like 12 episodes or 10 episodes away. It's coming up real quick. So, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, make sure that, sorry, that was rum just playing in the background. So yeah, uh, send it in if you're, if you're musically talented and speaking of musically talented after the paranormal news, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to play a snippet of something, but, uh, you have to wait for that. All right, the first story in paranormal news is Skinwalker Ranch, the UFO hotspot in Utah that has men obsessed. Now, this one was just written two days ago. They said that, uh, if you don't know, Skinwalker Ranch, 512-acre property, did an episode about it, want to do another episode about it. I would like to talk to the man that owns it, but, uh, well, we'll you know, Brandon, if you're listening, I'd love to interview you. But anyhow, they said that... Um, Apparently, UFOs and the men studying them just can't get enough of Skinwalker Ranch. In the 60s and 70s, there was a flurry of US UFO sightings in the uh, in the basin. Then in the mid-90s, stories about Skinwalker and strange going-ons at the ranch started to emerge. From cattle mutilations to UFOs, Skinwalker Ranch is the most scientifically studied paranormal hotspot on the planet, with the highest frequency of documented UFO sightings, bizarre cattle mutilations, electromagnetic anomalies, and unexplained phenomena. Brandon Fugel, who bought the ranch in 2016, told Newsweek just that. He said, I acquired the property from billionaire Robert Bigelow for the purpose of conducting scientific research to determine if there were any validity to the extraordinary claims. Although I, I acquired the ranch as a skeptic, I eventually had my own undeniable close encounters, a UFO sighting in broad daylight with multiple witnesses. They uh, go on to say that there's a ton of skeptics, but the, uh, the ranch is still going on. Stuff is still being seen there to this day. Uh, we don't know if, if it's extraterrestrial, if it's an enemy. We don't know if, if it's an optical phenomena. They don't know what it is. But uh, something's going on at the ranch. It's still going on at the ranch. The They said that uh, if you want to watch more stuff about it, the latest season of Skinwalker Ranch sees investigators examine anomalies in the skies about a mile above the Triangle area. They invite former members of the U.S. military connected to the Tic Tac UAP, if you, you all know what that is, the UFOs that uh, the military saw, to see if it's going on above the ranch. And they said that the secrets to Skywalker Ranch, they're going to have a lot of stuff for us. So you obviously should tune in if you're a fan of that uh, show or of Skinwalker Ranch, which I am. I'm a fan of both. I, uh, I interviewed all those guys, um, or not all those guys, but I interviewed a couple of the guys from the show, well, I don't know, a, a bunch of episodes ago, and that was a really cool interview. Maybe I get to do that again. I really like that. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, mysterious UFO spotted plunging through the outback sky in dash cam footage. A Northern Territory man captured a falling UFO on his dash cam while driving 
Jordan McNiven said he was driving along Top End Road in Roseberry when he saw a light. He's uh, shared the video to Facebook, and I've got it now. This is obviously coming out of Australia, if you haven't guessed. He said that him and his housemate were driving along Top End Road in Roseberry, the Northern Territory, when they saw a flash of light making a beeline for the ground around 10 p.m. on Saturday. In the blink of an eye, the eerie object vanishes without a trace. All right, let's watch the video. As you know, I wait until the videos or until the episode to actually watch these videos. I'm eager to see it. I'm going to turn off the sound just in case there's a, yep, there, I knew it, in case there's a shitty advertisement that was going to play before it. No free advertisement for you guys on my uh, on my podcast. All righty. So, like I said, I like to wait until the actual episode to watch them so I can kind of, uh, oh, here we go. All right. So it's a dash cam video. Oh, there is a, oh, it's a, it's a shooting star, which is not really a shooting star. It's a meteorite. Sorry, it's a meteorite. Um, he thought it was a shooting star. Could have been an Osprey. Guess what? It was a shooting star. Only thing I can think of is either space junk being burned up in atmosphere or a meteorite. Yeah, it's a shooting star. It's a meteorite. All right. Well, that wasn't as paranormal as I wanted. All right, let's move on to the next one then. Up next in paranormal news. Sounds bizarre, but this woman is seriously scared of aliens after nine UFO sightings. Well, no, it doesn't sound bizarre headline. That sounds like something that would happen. Recently, a woman has claimed that she'd seen several unidentified flying objects, and now she's too scared to leave her house. As per a report by the U.S.-based tabloid The Mirror, 51-year-old Sasha Christie fears that she may be abducted by these aliens. She said, it's very hard to explain my encounters. It's hard for me to believe what I've seen. I spent my whole life trying to think of other scenarios of things that it could be, but the only conclusion is other life forms and UFOs. Looking at the sky, it scares me as I don't know what I'm going to see next. St. Jude Ah. is love. No, that was loud. Jesus, advertisement. Uh, They said that uh, Christy is a stay-at-home mother from Liverpool, Merseyside. She's seen lights flying across the sky. She claims those were UFOs. She even had a joint encounter with some friends while on holiday in Wales in 97. Now she apparently suffers from PTSD because of the UFOs. She shared one of the experiences she had. Um, Let's see. She was on holiday when she allegedly saw the UFOs. She was with her ex-partner and son in the small town of Glynhirorg. I know I said that wrong. She said, I saw Steve outside looking at the sky. I ran out there to see what was wrong. He pointed at the fluorescent lights in the sky that seemed to be getting brighter the closer they moved towards us. As the clouds were so low, the shadows and the shapes of the UFO made it look like a giant rippling jellyfish in the sky. It was fascinating. That's when something reached out of the hedge and touched Louie's foot. I really couldn't believe it. I was in shock. Louie had told me that something had touched his foot, and I believe him, but I wanted to look at the lights more to understand what was going on. As I stood there for about a minute or so more... When I suddenly heard something running barefoot in the mud behind me, all of a sudden it bumped into me as it ran past and my chest exploded. Before I even realized it was happening, I was running back to the house in a panic and complete hysterical blindness. I couldn't see where I was going. I just knew I needed to run. What? That's the end of the story? What the hell was? No. How do you? That's not an end of a story. All right. Yeah, that's freaky as shit. But how about you tell us what ran into you or him, what grabbed his foot? If it look, if it was just the uh, the jellyfish in the sky, I would say it was probably a rocket taking off because those look like jellyfish in the sky. But uh, the foot, what what the hell is the foot thing, or, or the the bumping into her thing? I don't uh, I don't like that. That's where the story ended. Alrighty, up next, I'm a PhD astrophysicist, and I once saw a UFO. It didn't look like anything I'd seen before, but it but I'd be a great 
fool to consider aliens as a reasonable possibility. Every once in a while, even the most physically grounded of scientific explanations, it's important to entertain wildly unlikely scenarios, too. Oh, the boy, this guy likes to talk. Um... It says, December 20, 2006, shortly after completing my Ph.D. study in theoretical astrophysics, I myself saw an object in the sky that to this day I have no explanation for. Now here's how I, as a scientist, approach the fact that of the event that occurred. Back in December 2006, I was visiting a friend and a colleague in New Mexico. We spent a fair amount of time driving through the desert surrounding areas like Santa Fe and Los Alamos. One day while we, were, we went to the Bandelier National Monument, which contains the homes and territories of a number of historic Native American civilizations, some which date back nearly a thousand years. On the drive back, the sky darkened as night fell. Yeah, that's what happens at night. We were only uh, the only car on the road, and the stars began to appear. Uh, all of a sudden, off in the distance, was a glowing blue e- ellipse-shaped light. It first appeared stationary, but then started to slowly move from left and away from us to right and towards us. As it got closer, it brightened, but never appeared to be anything other than a solid blue disc, and it seemed to pick up speed at an alarming rate. It then spe- it sped off to the right, faster and farther away from us, and after about two or three seconds of moving at the top of what it was moving at what was its top speed, the light simply went out. That was it. That was my experience. What do I think it was? Uh, what do you think it was without saying a billion things? Uh... Uh, he's trying to describe, he's trying to explain it by, could it be refractory light from another location? Could it be ball lightning? Could it be, yeah, or look, look, it could be a lot of things. All right, that's 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 enough of this guy's story. He just likes to talk. Uh, look, it could be a lot of things, but the point is, it's an unexplained or unidentified flying object. It was an experience that you had. You can't explain. There's no logical explanation for it. Try as you might, you still don't have one. Guess what? You saw a UFO, astrophysicist or not. Science can't explain everything away, sadly. Already up next, full-bodied apparition filmed crossing road outside house in Arizona. Alrighty, let's watch this video. That's all you need to know. It's a full-bodied apparition. Oh, good lord. It's an, a full-bodied apparition that was caught on the home CCTV and uh, was in Arizona. So let's uh, take a look and see what it looks like. Okay, guys. Okay. We have a piece of footage to take a look at All right. of this ghostly apparition. Let's do now, it. it comes with no audio. So, guys, let's take a look at the footage and All we'll right. have a real All quick right. well, chat. Well, there's no audio. I don't need to listen to you. So let's just do it. Alrighty, so it is CCTV camera. There's a garage. There's a house. It's pointed kind of away. I don't see anything happening. Oh, there it is. Oh. Yeah, it looks like, well, it looks to me, well, let's see. It looks like somebody's walking. Oh, no, that kind of does fade out. All right, this one is interesting. I'll post this one on the Facebook page because this one, it does look like someone's walking. At first, I thought it was just, well, you know, that camera's been sitting in the same location forever that it's, yeah, no, that's weird. They just played it again. That it, it's. I just thought it was like, you know, like the, it was just really bad footage of someone walking across the street. But I will say that it does look like an apparition of someone walking and then they just kind of fade away. So, yeah, all right, I'll put this up on the Paranormal page on Facebook. Um, 
and, and try to remember to post it, post it everywhere else. Uh, possible ghost, what do you think? That's right. I'm posting it in real live time so you guys will know when I'm doing this episode. All right, that was a neat one. I like that one. All right, with that, let's uh, let's close up the old paranormal news. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Paranormal Almanac. Okay, guys, we are back. But before I get to the episode, I promised you guys a snippet of music that was sent to me by this band called Cantucum Sanctus. I'm assuming it's Latin. I don't know what it means. Uh, right now, it's just going to be a patron-exclusive one, but I wanted to play just a snippet of the song for you guys because I think it's kind of cool. I really like it, and I thank them for sending it to me. They wanted me to play it on the 200th episode, and I might play the full song on the 200th episode, but I thought I'd play a little bit for you guys now. That's enough of that. That's just a preview of the song. Uh, oh, I guess it doesn't have a name. It was just by the band Canticum Sanctus. Once again, thank you guys for sending that in. Like I say, I will probably play that uh, on the 200th episode if I remember, but I'll play it for everybody again in full. Right now, if you want to hear the whole song, you have to head on over to the patron page because it's, uh, it's exclusive to the patrons for right now because... Well, it's because it's my podcast, and I decided that's what I would do as a thank you for the to the patrons and to the band themselves. But I wanted to let them know that I, I did receive it, I did love it, and uh, I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, let's get right on to the episode. We're back, like I said, on this edition. Let's talk about the military and the paranormal. Because not surprisingly, hopefully to everyone, not surprisingly to me anyway, there are a ton of paranormal events that seem to happen in and around war-torn areas. I've talked about some of them in the past, like the uh, like all the Civil War, like Gettysburg and everything like that. But there's other ones from newer wars. Now, some, I'm sure, you can shrug off. Skeptics, I hear you. You can shrug it off to the high stress, the long hours, the horrific living conditions, the things they have to see during war. I get that. I know that there's, a, unfortunately, there's a high... A uh, high percentage of suicides and PTSD that go along with serving in the military. But with that, there's also places and bases and outposts that have a ton of paranormal stories connected to them. They seem to be haunted, maybe as a result of past wars, but they seem to be haunted or watched over by paranormal things. I don't want to just call them haunted because some of these stories, they're obviously not ghosts. They are things. They are creatures. They are cryptids. They are paranormal things that are happening to the military personnel in these areas. So let's uh, let's look at these. With the first one is the biggest story for this episode, and it goes back, um, we go way back to 2008, to Kabul, Afghanistan, and there's a thing called Observation Post Rock. Apparently, it's a very well-known haunted military outpost. Basically, it's a 
It's like a high mound, about 30 feet high. It's a dirt pile that was like the perfect vantage point for, spoiler, every war for centuries. But for this story, it's the perfect vantage point for the British and the U.S. Marines. Now, now don't worry. I'll tell you what I mean by that in a little bit. It's not actually a rock. It just resembles one. Like I said, it's a giant dirt pile. But much more than that, as the military that kind of fortified it over the years would find out. Because they all would discover, no matter what military was happening to be at the observation post rock over the years, and I mean really over the years, 80s, 90s, 2000s, you name it, variety of militaries or or people at war would fortify this spot because, again, it's the only vantage point. It's 30 feet high. You can look around the entire thing and see the entire surrounding area. But um, what they found was when they started to kind of sift through the area, when the people were, like, hunkered down in the base, not the base, but in the in the mound, they, they would find medieval arrows. They'd find slits and remains of fortified turrets on its eastern flank. They kind of figured out over the years that it was once a large mud fort that collapsed in on itself. It was probably built upon by everybody since, but it's always in a war zone. So unfortunately, no archaeologist can go and do a proper investigation of it. We just have to go by what the militaries have found there throughout the years. Or you can go by what the locals say because they've been saying the same thing Century after century, they say that it dates back to Alexander the Great, and another similar structure is actually visible in the distance to the south. Both of these were part of a like a, a line of such forts built at some point throughout history, again, they think around the Alexander the Great time, to basically ward off various invaders or wars. Now, one source says that historically... Post-Rock was a fort in the years before the 1740s, before Pashtuns had made their way to Garmsur. I know I got that wrong. I'm sorry. They said that it was when the fort is thought to have been built. Now, why am I telling you so much about the supposed history? Well, because it's because of the next part, really. So the Rock's last known likely use before it became this military installation for the British and the Americans was around 1980. It was at the start of the Soviet-Afghan War when fighters surrounded and captured roughly 40 Afghan communist police officers, took them to the top of the rock, made them dig a shallow grave, and then, yeah, mass murdered them. In retaliation, Russian soldiers were taken by Afghan soldiers at the exact same spot, observation post rock, shallow grave, mass murder, dirt put over the shallow grave. Then, in uh, 2008, the U.S. Marines dropped a 2,000-pound bomb on one side of the rock because Intel said the Taliban had made a cave in the rock and were hiding out. Now, the bomb collapsed part of the rock, trapping and killing everyone inside. So already we've got, just since the 80s, we've got Afghan mass grave, Russian mass grave, Taliban mass grave. Now, the Marines and the British soldiers then took the rock in 2008 as their post. 
And that's when the paranormal stuff really starts to kick in. Because a unit of Welsh guards reported paranormal experiences from the very first night they were there. What it seems like, it seems like the British soldiers, like, maintain it for a while. Then the Americans come over, they maintain it while the British soldiers, I don't know, rest or do something else. And then vice versa. They keep going back and forth. So these uh, Welsh guards were first. And like I said, they reported paranormal experiences from the very first night on, seeing strange things in night vision that they couldn't see when they lit up the spot or using eye, uh, using their own eyes. That seems to be a very big one at this spot. That some of the some of the night vision, and there's another one I'll, I'll get to in a little bit. I forget what it's called off the top of my head, but it's kind of like night vision where they'll see it in one form of the night vision, but they won't see it in another, or they'll see it in night vision, but they won't see it in their scopes. That seems to be a big one. And they're seeing all kinds of things. They also hear strange noises from the very first night. They reported that from midnight till 4 a.m., it was constant. Unexplained voices, noises, sounds, sounds of war, unexplained lights through their night vision goggles would happen consistently from midnight till 4 a.m. The American troops, they came over and they referred it to they referred to it on the radio as the haunted observation point, including Jose Herrera, a Lance Corporal in the Marines who spent time on the rock in 2009. He said it's a conduit for paranormal activity. The smells they smelled there were rotting flesh, like something was dying. It was really bad at night, and it was like it came in whiffs or gusts. It wasn't constant. Now, they know that there were mass graves in the 80s. They know that they bombed the Taliban and trapped them in there in 2008, but they're saying that it's not just like the constant smell of death, but it would come in whiffs or gusts as if something dead was walking by you. He said he saw mysterious lights, heard strange static on the radio, and that seems to be another big one. And the other big one is, while you're there, you have the feeling of being watched or just a creepy feeling the entire time. He said that, much like several Marines who spent their time there, that something or someone was watching them constantly. Lance Corporal Brendan Kelly said that he discovered small tunnels dug into its base that led to a single chamber, maybe a fort, or he thought a tomb, and was much, much older than the Taliban, the Taliban cave that they collapsed. He said it was creepy. Now, soldiers throughout their time would describe seeing strange lights, hearing strange static on the radio again, sudden temperature swings from hot to freezing instantly, seeing lights and bodies in night vision, but again, nothing when they went to investigate, and voices in the night in a variety of languages, most often Russian, but also Persian and other unknown languages, even coming through the static on the radios. Now, several Marines posted there said that someone or something kept their eye on them, and they heard Russian vehicles yelling, the sounds of gunfire that would end abruptly, now, I don't know how they know the sound. I mean, I guess they would probably know the sound of a Russian vehicle, but how would... No, actually, no, I take that back. I'm going to be the skeptic here. How could soldiers in 2009 or 8, 2008 or 9, know the sounds of Russian vehicles from the 80s? I don't know. I'm going to say grain of salt for that one. But 
Doesn't matter, because upcoming next is a cute dog story. Corporal Lena, who was the second in command, took up watching a local dog they nicknamed Ugly Betty. She was named Ugly Betty because the British commander said that they were relieving, said that Betty was the best century around and you wanted her around you at all times, especially at night. Now, Lena said he was on watch one night when he heard some strange sounds coming over the radio. He checked in with the main base to make sure he hadn't, you know, missed anything. And they said, no, they didn't transmit anything. So he thinks, oh, it's the battery dying. So he grabs a fresh battery. Spoiler, batteries would drain there at an alarming rate throughout the stay. You'll hear more about that later. Uh, so he's like, all right, there's no more static sounds. You got a fresh battery. He's sitting in the trenches on guard, and it's boring because there's nothing on, around and nothing going on. So he says he's going to decide to dig the shallow British trenches a little deeper, just kind of keep himself occupied and make him more regulation for the American soldiers. He said uh, he starts digging in a little bit, and he hits metal. Now, he reached into the hole, and he recovered what he thought was an engineering stake, and he noticed that it had Russian lettering on it. So he's like, okay, this is from the Russian time when they were here in the 80s. He keeps digging some more, and it hits a small hole that seems to go deeper. So he starts to investigate it, and he calls over Corporal Smith to help him investigate this hole that basically opened up into a cavern or a tunnel. And they said they found some small pottery shards. They keep investigating. They pull out, yep, a femur, a human femur. And they were like, yeah, okay, maybe we shouldn't be digging this deep. And they said, all right, put it back into the grave put the dirt back over it. But they said that from that day on, no matter where they dug on the rock, they would hit human bones. So he continues to his story. He goes on, blah, blah, blah. He gets relieved. He goes to sleep, but he says he's almost awakened. He's, he's awakened almost immediately by a blood curdling scream that night. So he starts checking over the post and he said he bumped into Wilson who also heard the scream They assumed that a person had been caught in the razor wire that surrounded the post, but they scanned the area. They didn't find anything. They turned the lights on. They used night vision, nothing, until something moved just outside the perimeter. So he grabs his night vision, and he says, all right, I could find Ugly Betty. She's in the distance. Then another shape appeared. They're like, okay, there is somebody out there. Ugly Betty's letting us know about it. We're going out to investigate. They said it was human shape that seemed to come out of the ground right by Ugly Betty. But when they got out there, no body, no tracks, no blood in the razor wire. They said nothing was there except Ugly Betty. On another evening's watch, another soldier named Zolik, or Zalik, said it was brutally hot there even at night, and he was exhausted from the heat when he suddenly felt a cold chill sweep across him. But... He said it wasn't a wind. He said it was a breath. He could feel a cold breath on his face as something whispered in his ear in Russian. He was obviously freaked out. He says, well, it must be because I'm, um, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm overtired. Until he heard footsteps right above him. He's in the trenches. So there's like that little like wall basically around them that they can stand up and look over. And he says, yeah, there's. He heard footsteps right above him on the observation post. Now he's like, all right, it's someone coming to relieve me. So he gets up to leave, but there's nobody there. So he scans the area around the post. This is what it's called. Thermal visioning. Thermal imaging. God, Kurt. 
So he, he's like, all right. He scans the area around using thermal imaging. And he said he caught the sight of what looked like another soldier with bald fists. He said he watched the soldier through the night vision scope. He moved over to night vision scope and he lost it for a second. Then it was just gone, nowhere around him. And there was nothing out there to hide. They would say there was nothing out there really to hide behind, basically. Uh, let's see. Is there nothing to hide behind? Oh, all right. So Lena said the night after he was on watch, that second in command guy was on watch and he heard ugly Betty barking. So he grabs his night vision goggles to see what she was after and said, all right, he found it. It looked like a Taliban scout in the distance. He was afraid that his eyes might be playing tricks on him with that much distance though. So he grabs the thermal imaging, tried to find the figure again, but nothing was there. So he switches back to the night vision goggles and yep, the figure is exactly where it was standing a second ago, but not standing, I'm sorry, the figure was there, but not standing where it was a second ago, but it was a hundred meters closer to him. He said in seconds, it moved 100 meters closer to him. He switches back, nothing there. Goes back to the night vision instantly, and nothing was there. He said he couldn't find anywhere, anything anywhere around him. And again, there was nowhere for it to hide, for this Taliban scout to hide. And he said it was impossible for a human to move that quickly, that closely in a second. Bizarre, right? All right, next night, another guy named Diggs heard something a distance, so he scanned the area with thermal optics and said the only heat signatures were Ugly Betty and the other Marines on the base. He thought that he was just tired when he, when he too, heard the crunch of gravel right above him. And then he said he felt something breathe on him, and then Betty ran up to him looking past, or over him, not past him, looking over him, growling at nothing. He, too, for their entire stay at the base, said that the Russian whispers became, um, oh, I'm sorry. He, too, said that everyone there had the same occurrences, and they said that the Russian whispers soon became shouting. The batteries would continue to die instantly, like something was draining them. They would even bring in new batteries. Those, too, would die. Then the final night of their stay, they said, everyone said that it was the worst night of their stay. The batteries were all dead, no communications, and they were hearing and seeing things the entire night. Then they heard the distinct sound of machine gun fire coming from within the post. So second in command, Lena, said he ran to Wilson in the machine gun nest and discovered that their gun had not been fired. He said that he both then heard an RPG flying towards them, but nothing hit. They all thought they were being, like, taken over by the Taliban, but they couldn't find any enemy soldiers, not in night vision, not with lights, not with the thermal imaging, nothing. They all said that the rock was the worst spot that they had ever guarded. And thankfully, for me anyway, thankfully, Ugly Betty survived this entire story. While I was like doing the, you know, reading all about the, the rock from all these various sources, and I mean, there are a lot of them, I was like, please just let Ugly Betty survive. Let ugly, But yep, thankfully, Ugly Betty survives the entire time, which makes me very happy. All right, so while I was doing the research, I was kind of going down a rabbit hole all about this location. I found a uh, YouTube article about, or YouTube story about the rock, Observation Post Rock in Afghanistan. And I was like, ooh, perfect, because, you know, 
I'll watch the video, which I never did. I'll be honest. I never watched it. But there are going to be comments from people that know about The Rock. So I started looking through the comments. And they said, uh, let's see, uh, never went to Afghanistan, but I did a deployment to the Middle East on the USS Dwight D. Eisenhower, second oldest ship in the Navy. Tons of suicides on it, combat scenarios, everything. This thing had some history, and at nighttime, all kinds of weird stuff would happen. One particular time, I was sitting in a room towards the aft of the ship, and I was watching a movie on my phone. It was about four in the morning. There was a hatchway that was open in front of me, the only door in or out. So I'm watching the movie, and all of a sudden, I feel like someone is looking at me in the doorway. So I look up in the doorway, and standing in the doorway was a huge silhouette of something staring right at me. It had to be close to seven or eight feet tall. It looked like one of the ring wave, ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. I'm just frozen. By the time I could process exactly what I was looking at, the thing floated to the right, out of the doorway, behind the wall. I jump up, run to the doorway, look both ways, see nothing. So, of course, I nope out of there, and I ran to the work center, and there was some people up working that I knew, including my chief, who was one of the most practical, solid men I ever known to this day. He can see that I'm visibly freaked out, so he said, what's going on? I reluctantly tell him I just saw a... Um, Luckily, tell him what I just saw. Reluctantly, tell him what I just saw. I was just waiting for the barrage of heckling from him and the guys. Instead, the chief gets this knowing smile and said, oh, you met Little Man. I said, what the fuck is Little Man? He says, Little Man is a big black shadow that walks around the boat at night. I've, I've done met him a few times and then just continues working. Yeah, that's freaking creepy, dude. Let's see, former Navy Greenside here, my team assisting in an exercise in Jordan at a small camp, typical dog and pony show stuff. Uh, very safe compared to other deployments. We were in charge of security, and I was in the cog one night. I'm walking to one of our towers, went out in the darkness, not 15 feet away from the wire. I see a silhouette of a man with something in his hand, which normally would be alarming enough, but his back was slightly contorted like he was leaning back and to the side like he was staring into the sky. I completely froze for a second, should have called in, when he disappears. That's creepy. You said Hellman, and I got chills. Then you said the op rock in Hellman, and I freaked out a little bit. I started my Marine deployment in 2009, 2009 and spent two weeks on op rock where me and a small group existed in a cycle of eat, sleep, and pull eight-hour watches. Our sleeping area was dug into the top of the hill, and there was something off. Everyone talked about how messed up their dreams were, and the guy who'd been there almost a month, who had seen many groups come and go, said that crazy dreams happened to everyone who stayed there. By the time I was there, the rock was fortified with sandbags, barriers, razor wire. The first human remains I saw was a large femur bone lying in the sun just outside the wire. Eventually, those of us who were new on the op rock asked what the hell was up with this place, and we were told the story of a British soldier starting an op on a gravesite, and, and you covered the rest. I was part of a group who demilitarized Op Rock. We cut open all the sandbags and took down the wire and burned everything you could do. I found skull caps, jaw bones, and other small fragments inside the hundreds of sandbags I cut open over the course of two days. Ugh, that's creepy. Unfortunately, some human remains ended up in the fire. Ug Ugly Betty actually was with us the last night we were there uh, with her latest litter of pups. I like that. Other people had it worse than I did with weird experiences, which I attribute to my small Christian faith, my strong Christian faith. But in the end, the weird stuff just kept happening. I saw two people walk down a road by a place we called the Taliban School and stop by a power pole when they started digging. I alerted my sergeant who looked through his binoculars. He asked me where they were, and as I pointed to them, they disappeared. 
My friends and I heard children laughing in empty rooms, saw glass break with nothing around to break it, had flashlights turn on and off there. I began having horrifying bouts of sleep paralysis while finishing that deployment. Ooh, that's awesome. This one says, my dad, who was a medic in Vietnam, saw a ghost. He was up one night in, on patrol in the bush. They secured on two, three, on three of their sides of the camp, but his job was to watch out in the field on the open side except for a fence. An old Vietnamese man was walking towards him in the field on the side of the fence. My dad yelled at him to stop, leave quickly. Multiple times, the man didn't stop, so he opened fire, which made his platoon waken and join him in shooting. The man began to run away while tons of bullets were raining down on him. The platoon, the platoon then went out to find his body, which had to run through a fence, mind you, and there was no one there. The fence was secure. I served on the USS Iowa BB-61 on April 19th, 1990-something. We had, it's missing, we had a gun turret explosion that killed 47 men. In the days and weeks after the incident, I had several encounters with the ghost of the men that were killed. I, was a never, I would never was a believer before then, but I know what I saw. When I was deployed in the Middle East, I was tapped slash shoved on the shoulder once. I looked around, but it was the middle of the desert and there was no one around me. Right after that, I heard in my headpiece, or I heard in my head, delay your convoy. And I was only able to delay my convoy for a few minutes, but my convoy missed getting hit by a Scud missile a few minutes later down the road. I personally believe it was my guardian angel helping us out. A friend of mine was on the rock. He came back home, and every place he has lived in since experienced tons of paranormal activity. Some of it was typical faucet turning on and off, pictures falling off the walls. One day he woke up and noticed his jacket that he wore on the rock was hanging on one of the kitchen chairs. When he walked into the kitchen, he picked up his jacket. He saw all four of the kitchen chairs were now on top of the table, leaning back on only two legs of the chair. It would take a magician with magical powers to make those chairs go up against the laws of, uh, go against the laws of gravity to keep the chairs in the position they were in. He took the chairs off the table and tried to see if he could place them in the same position he found them in, but was unable to do it. They all fell off the table. He ended up looking at it as a sign from his friends who sadly had lost their lives from the other side. My uncle did three tours in Vietnam. He told us a story about his platoon was walking single file through the jungle and heard his youngest daughter call out to him. He shrugged it off, as of course she couldn't be there, and kept moving. Then... She called out to him again, sounding more forceful from behind some bush, uh, bushes. He left the line to go check it out. Shortly after, the soldier that was in front of him stepped on a landmine. A guardian angel in the form of my cousin saved his life that day. Uh, this one goes on to say, I too was at Op Rock. I believe the djinn were all around us. If you guys don't know what djinn are, they are, well, you should, you should know. Check out uh, an episode I did all about the djinn. This next one says, I was uh, one of the Marines on Op Rock. My name is Adam Wilson. I was with the 2-8 in 2009 and on the TV show Paranormal Witness about this. Oh, that's cool. Said this is cool that people are still talking about it. I, too, had experiences. When I was in the Marines, I saw a woman in a white dress while crossing a runway at Cherry Point. She said that she was there and then she was gone. Later, I found out about the tombstone, tombstone scattered around the base. As the story went, it was a mother looking for her children. I've seen the tombstones of two children and the tombstone of what could be their mother there. My son is a Marine. He sees things that aren't there, like shadow people. He was told before he went to Paris to watch for the ghosts there because many of the barracks there are haunted. He and his, he and his, he and his wife were taught from the moment they signed up to watch for these types of things. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stories. I will say that they keep going on and on. I mean, there's hundreds of comments from people. Um, they keep going, but uh, there's a lot of stories about barracks being haunted and specific barracks being haunted that I'll read to you in just a little bit. So that doesn't surprise me at all that I that it came across that one. All right, that about does it for the this uh, this YouTube video. Not not the episode. Don't worry, I'm gonna keep going. But that does it for the uh, YouTube comments on this one because, like I said, I had just found that this there was a YouTube video about the rock that I had just read to you about, and I was like, oh, I, I, all right, I want to read the comments. And I went down that rabbit hole, so I figured I'd take you down that rabbit hole a little bit. But now I want to tell you about some more military paranormal stories from the Internet. Now, again, they're from the Internet, taken with a grain of salt. But there are so many of them that it's just absolutely insane that there's, you know, there seems to be a pattern to a lot of them. All right, the first one, though, is really new. It was only a couple of days ago. Oh, I'm sorry. This The photos from 20, 2013 posted only a couple of days ago. It's of a triangle UFO photographed over Afghanistan around the same area as the rock in 2013. It's only visible under night vision goggles, made no sound whatsoever. And it's the typical triangular UFO. I mean, it's the three lights in the sky right above whatever the hell it was. Absolutely crazy cool. Um, let's see. All right, this one is, uh, let's see. I was originally Security Forces, U.S. Marine Corps, in Bangor, Washington. Worked the waterfront for a little over two and a half years. That post isn't stood, that post isn't stood anymore from my knowledge. Oh, it's not there anymore. Not positive, but I'm not stationed there anymore. We had a shadow figure when I was a junior constantly at the north end of the waterfront, randomly at night, creeping around on the trestles. It was an entity people called the Jig, J-I-G, which stood for Jawless Indian Girl that would haunt the main road that we made moves on. Screams late at night at certain piers that no one knew was there, supposedly a haunted painting. We'd randomly see a pretty tall 8 to 11 foot tall, roughly, couldn't get a reasonable height estimate although, only see them at nighttime, never when foggy, super skinny beings, and they would move pretty quickly. Only ever see two together at one time. We were standing post one night, and my senior glanced to check the cameras that covered 360 degrees of our post, and we saw one at the end of the pier, nearly the main road, probably 125 to 150 yards away. It came down the trestle quickly and disappeared maybe 10 yards before coming through the door. Later that night, we had loud bangs on the front door. Someone would open it as soon as we saw someone opened it. The rear door would get a bang on it. Cameras showed no one, and the post, maybe 25 yards away, wouldn't even hear anything. Hence, there was a gap. There would be a sub would pull in, but you wouldn't see. Hence, there was a gap where the sub would pull in, but you could see each other. As for the jig, I never had a solid encounter seeing her, though. I was on watch one night on my rest cycle. I was sleeping in pretty big berthing, only myself. I turned off the lights, and it racked out. Woke up around 2 to 3 a.m. to the red lights on and goosebumps. I got on turned off the lights, and heard tiny footsteps behind me. Spooked me, and I bolted to the watch room where the other person was at. Footsteps followed me until I got into the main room. It was just a creepy feeling. Now, I never personally heard screams, but my seniors were boots when they happened. They were in the building at, by that same pier, and the only way to get there was by boat, and there would be blood-curdling screams happening in the middle of the night out there. The, the base police would get phone calls from that specific pier, same time frame, but no one would ever be on the other end of the call. The picture is rumored to have the jig appear in and out of it. It's a painting on the northwestern waterfront, the general area. According to some, she would be there one day in the woods on the painting. Other days, she wouldn't. 
It's a restricted area, but I have a photo of it somewhere due to my ways. Some shadows or beings taunted post standers on the area's northern edge as well. It appeared mid-morning, early afternoon in the bushes, maybe 50 yards from my post. Happened to me and a buddy. Uh, it was a shadow, growling-type sound, slowly moved back into the woods. We were curious, and we started following it and took it to the dirt road to the west of the woods. It slowly was moving further down the parallel to the road, but also mostly into the woods. We started walking into the woods themselves, following this strange shadow growling thing. We both noticed no more sounds from the birds or nature itself. We quickly got back the road, went condition one each, and walked back to post. I had a, ba I had a very bad feeling the rest of the post and was pretty sick the rest of the day from the, i.e. throwing up and headaches and whatnot from the encounter. Finally, I was told the story before I arrived at Bangor. When my team leader was there, someone fucked up and had to run back to the quarters. My team leader then followed behind in a bear cat. As they were running, the dude who fucked up and my team leader both saw something matching their jog in the woods to the left, to the western part before the road. When they reached a certain route, he had them get in the bear cat and they drove back, bear cat and drove back. Later on, if you asked separately, they would tell you the same thing. They described it as a large, maybe furry creature matching their speeds, but on all fours. Very big, bigger than a black bear, and much bigger than the black-tailed deer that live out there. To this day, they don't know what it was. Yeah, that's creepy. So Fork, Fork? No. So Fort Polk is known for its weird shit. Sometimes when I would war, uh, work out there on that gate ACP2, it felt weird. Out there late at night, it was liable to make you uncomfortable. Being out there, you just heard weird shit coming from the woods, and one night when I was closing up the gate, I don't know if it was just my brain playing tricks on me, but I'm pretty damn sure I heard whispers. I felt awfully, it felt awfully quiet when it happened. You could usually hear the bugs and shit, but then suddenly it was dead quiet. That's when I heard whispers, like as if multiple people were whispering in the wood line at once. This one is from Camp Schwab in Okinawa, Japan in 2015. Late night, the barracks. I couldn't sleep, and a buddy of mine was DNCO for the rest of the night, so I went out to my fridge, brought him a Red Bull, and hung out with him to stay awake until the changeover. We shot the shit for a while before he had to tour his post. As he stepped out of the doorway of the duty lounge, he froze in the hallway with a look of fear on his face when I, like I had never seen on anyone before. He motioned for me to come over, and as I looked in the same direction as he did, I saw the full apparition of a little girl in ragged old clothes. We stood for what seemed like two minutes before I had the bright idea to say, Hey! Before I could even finish, she opened the door to the fire exit and ran out. We gave chase to the balcony and couldn't find a trace of her. We think it was the spirit of a child who died in the battle for Okinawa. My father served during the Croatian War of Independence in 1990. He has a few stories regarding weird enemy encounters and behaviors. It was the spring of 1993. My father was captain at the time. He and his men were on guard duty overwatching fields. It was raining and there was mud everywhere as night was... As night was falling, they had this weird, uneasy feeling they were being watched. As it was night and they didn't have any night vision goggles, they tried to listen for any sounds of footsteps or anything coming close to them. They knew direction from where it was coming from. The woods below them, they were on a small hill. They thought it was an enemy, enemy patrol but couldn't hear anyone speaking, which was unusual at the time given the fact that enemies were mostly paramilitary universe, units and were often drunk at that time. After a few minutes of silence, they heard this loud, creepy sound coming from the woods. Everybody was terrified because none of them heard anything like it in their life, including my father. He described it as a mix of a wolf howling and a baby crying. All of them had pale face and eyes wide, waiting for something to attack them. 
Everything went quiet for an hour, then they heard it again. Moment later, they heard that they heard baby cries and shots coming from the forest. It was the enemy fighting something. After 15 minutes of shooting and yelling, everything went quiet again. Nobody was speaking, only wind was blowing. Sun started to rise, and nobody slept at all. In the early morning, they contacted FOB for green light to move in and clear that site. They moved in only to see decapitated bodies of enemies with no guts and no throats. Father said all of them had the same wounds with the same pattern, ripped out by a lot of force. They contacted their FOB, and and unit was dispatched to the site. Everybody was looking at the bodies. None of them had friendly uniforms nor emblems. After questioning my father and his men, the colonel looked at my father and said, you know, if that thing knew you were up there, you'd be gone too. Moments later, they saw the creature lurking in the field on two legs, looking at them and then sprinting off. Everyone saw it. My father described it as human with a wolf tail, long arms, and deformed legs. Back at their base, they came to the conclusion it was a Drekovac, a humanoid creature and mix of baby and animal. That's creepy. See, not all ghosts. There's cryptids too. This one says, I was driving back towards an old airfield at the back of the base where, where does it say what base? Let's see. Paris Island base. They were uh, where all the recruit field training goes on when I, when I was on duty to do my checks on the company who was out there at the Crucible. In order to get there, you have to cross a bridge that goes over the marshes. And right before that, there's a little picnic area by the tree line. As I was driving, I was talking to a buddy who's also stationed there with me. Nothing crazy, just BSing about life and the job over speakerphone via my truck's speakers. I stopped short of the bridge because I saw three shadows moving in the tree line. It was it was nighttime, and the only thing lighting up was a small picnic area as one dim street light. So I rolled down my windows and addressed the silhouettes. They were bent over and looked like they were looking for something, so I shouted asking who they were and if they needed help. That's when things get creepy. After I shouted, the silhouettes all in unison stood up from being bent over, turned and faced me. The thing was, I still couldn't see their faces or make out any features. Also, their arms were all unnaturally long. Once they stood up, they were bipedal, tall, no features to them, just like a black shadow, but I distinctly remember their arms were unnaturally long. It was at this point I got freaked out a little, and I told my buddy on the phone to hold up, hold on, and that something was up. The air inside of my cat got ice cold and I got that gut feeling of fucking leave and right as that was happening I heard this whispering raspy voice as if there was someone standing right next to my truck window I immediately rolled the shit up and gunned it across the bridge I got a little worked up and kept saying fuck that into the phone until I got to a lit parking lot and parked the cars after calming down I tried to rationalize it in my head as just hearing things right up until my buddy who had been on the speakerphone this whole time said Hey, who was that other person talking with you? Oh, that's a creepy one. I like that one. Let's see. Uh, Mushada IP station in 2007 was on a late tower, late night tower guard shift a quarter way through sitting in a sandbag bunker on the roof of the building. I was a little tired, but not falling asleep or anything. I closed my eyes for like two seconds. I opened them to see a figure in full kit staring at me in the entrance of the corner of my eye. I say, what's up? I look to my right. And he was gone. No sound, no nothing. Come out of the bunker to look around and no one's there. Dead silence, no noise, no footprints, no idea who that was. This next one says, I worked in the morgue in Kandahar. My my battle ran out of the morgue. My battle ran out the morgue saying someone's singing cadence. He was in there by himself. I walked in. I didn't hear anything. 
from that point on, he would not go in there alone. That's creepy. You know, morgues are creepy in general. Uh, coming back from mission on White Sands Missile Range in 2002, driving back from Stallion late night in a GSA truck. It was pitch black, trying to keep an eye out for Oryx on the road. No idea what that is. When I saw a 40-foot circular light off the side of the road, takes off straight up into the sky and out of sight with absolutely no sound. Me, holy shit, what the fuck was that? Team leader, yeah, you're going to see weird things out here. Me, there's no way that was a test. Should I call it into the range? Team leader, you can if you want, but what are you going to tell them? Me, yeah, you're right, no. This next one is the 30th AG. We were startled awake in the bay by a blood-curdling scream. It was around midnight, and only fire guard was awake. It seemed as though the scream came through the latrines or the showers, but nobody was in there when we rushed in. The bays adjacent to us also heard the scream as clearly as we did. DS came in and told us to go to sleep and not worry about it because it's a regular occurrence. Another one stationed in Okinawa on the base camp Kinzer. One of the Marines that was in my shop lived in room 101 or 102 in the barracks, and he would mention seeing a lady in black. It was a young Japanese woman dressed in a fancy dress that would just stare at him at night. I ended up becoming roommates with them after a few months and lived in that same room, and a few times when I slept facing the wall, I could feel something standing behind me. But whenever I looked, I saw nothing. We ended up getting out of that room when a glass sitting on the medicine cabinet above the sink mysteriously fell over and shattered. Fast forward to the sink getting repaired, and another Marine moves into that room. Oh, and shattered the sink too? Oh, weird. Fast forward to the sink getting repaired, another Marine moves into that room, and he mentions seeing a lady, and I would hear him screaming at night, who are you, what do you want? That's a good one. I'm an air traffic controller in the Marines. I was working by myself in the control tower around 2 a.m. one night when a jet came in to land. I cleared him and proceeded to the runway. But before his wheels touched down, he came over the frequency sounding distraught, saying there was a female standing in the middle of the runway, and he was, just, he, and he was going around her. I called airfield operation to have him go out and take a look. After 30 minutes of searching, there was nobody on the airfield or around it. 20 years ago, I was at a small army camp just outside of Ujongbu, South Korea. I'm sure that's not right. The city is north of Seoul, but south enough of the DMZ that I figured we'd have some heads up if the north attacked. At least time enough to jump in the Humvee and do whatever the plan happened to be. One night I was on the airfield. Instead of the usual skyline I was used to seeing about 15 miles away, all I saw was an orange glow as if the city was consumed by fire. I remembered seeing pillars of smoke and flashes of light I thought were explosions in and around the city. I honestly, truly thought the North Koreans were invading. I thought Ujongbu was burning. I ran back into the office and I told the ship supervisor, shift supervisor, that we were being attacked, that Ujongbu was being attacked. And I started going down the list of things we had to do and just generally freaking out, but trying to stay focused on what I was supposed to be doing. The supervisor asked me to go outside with her and show her what I saw. We go outside and nothing. The night is dark, stars, clear sky, city lights. They're all there off in the distance. I thought I was going crazy. They go on to say that they weren't overtired or anything like that. There was no sleep uh, deprivation. It looked like war. I really don't know what it was. Let's see. 
in the Army, never experienced anything paranormal, but 10 years ago in Afghanistan as a contractor in Bagram, 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 I don't know, I saw some shit. I was smoking a cigarette with his Bosnian and we're surrounded by mountains. We saw 50 planes every day overhead, but there was this one plane that was going lower and lower. He went straight into the mountain, no crash, no explosion, just disappeared into a fucking mountain. What the fuck? While living in our old military quarters on Fort Gordon, Georgia in the early 2000s, my very young daughter would tell us about the red-eyed boy who would talk to her while sitting up against the sitting up against the ceiling in the corner of a room. I dreaded going outside at night as I frequently felt as something was following me around the perimeter of that house in the darkness. I've never felt that sensation of being hunted in any other places I lived. While stationed in Pearl Harbor and finishing my rounds as CDO, I was returning to my office around 2300 to pick up some folders. I knew the layout of the open floor plan, so the only light on was the very back of the floor. Halfway across the darkened floor, I heard what sounded like an old typewriter and someone talking, but not loud or clear enough to make out what was being said. All hairs went up, and I was out the door. The next day, I was commenting about it to one of the aunties working in the department, and she mentioned that during the Pearl Harbor attack, one of the secretaries working that floor was killed. To this day, the hair on the back of my neck still rises when I think about it. That's creepy. Uh, Camp Hansen. One of the gates during the middle of the night, the Marine, during the middle of the night, a Marine or soldier dressed in dirty, used up fatigues from the 1940s, sometimes covered in blood, sometimes not, or old style service uniforms would walk up the guard, walk up to the guard shack. He would ask the person standing the guard for a light. He'd then walk away. And as he got further away, only the cherry of the cigarette would be there. This happened on a regular occurrence. Let's see, uh, serving in the military uh, for three years. It's the middle of the night, around 4 a.m. I was just finishing a night shift and decided to go to the outer decks for a bit before going to sleep. I looked down into the sea, and I see my grandmother's face. Now, my grandmother had been very ill for a little while, and we knew it was a matter of time. Anyway, I see her face in the water, and I think to myself, she's here to say goodbye. I wasn't scared by the thought, just sad. I saw her wave to me in the water, kind of smile, and then just sort of fade away. I very calmly walk back into the ship, into my ship, uh, walk back into the ship. I think it means into this, his bunk and went to sleep. Two days later, we go back to shore and we can use cell phones. I call my dad and he tells me that my grandmother passed away. It happened around 4 a.m. two days earlier. All righty, up next, getting close to the end here. Let's read a couple more. When I was stationed in South Korea in 2008, I have a very clear memory of waking up to someone in my barracks room. I sat up straight in my bed. There was a Republic of Korea soldier bending over near my fridge. I remember clearly that he was a Republic of Korea soldier, not a KATUSA, which are the army, which are the Korean army embeds that work with, oh, embeds that work with the U.S. forces. Uh, so old-timey, basically, Korean soldier. But he was wearing the green BDU-like pattern of a regular Republic of Korean soldier. He was young, too, maybe about 20. I took a shark, sharp intake of breath, uh, surprise breath, which caused him to stand straight up and stare at me. I remember he looked at me just as surprised and confused as I was. We were both scared. We both looked at each other. Then he was gone. That seems like a time slip to me. Uh, let's see. I was stationed on an air aircraft carrier. Living aboard made me convinced it was haunted. In particular, I had a friend that was a corpsman. It was around 2100, and I decided to pay him a visit in the sick bay because he was on duty. I went... I went away I normally didn't. It was basically the back door. As I was walking to get to the front office where he was, I happened to glance at the ceiling, and I saw what could only just be described 
as a shadow on the ceiling. It crawled at a high rate of speed, and the next thing I know, it shot into the surgical area. I ran like a bat out of hell to the front office when I told my friend he knew at once what I was talking about. Apparently, it's a very known occurrence on the aircraft carrier. That's a cool one. Let's end with that one. Ah, there are a ton more stories, and I mean a ton more. I've got just dozens and dozens of stories that I could keep doing. Um, nah, I'm not going to keep going. There's there's one that just popped up. I was like, well, that's a cool one, but that's fine. It's about dog man. Um, I'll do more of these stories, probably on the 200th episode about the military and the paranormal, because they're, they seem to just be happening daily around the world. Uh, some of the, all, a lot of them in the same bases or in the same areas as well. So yeah, I thought this was a kind of a cool, different episode to do. I hope you guys like this one. What do you guys think? Do you think that, um, you know, they, they say that when you die horrifically or tragically that that causes ghosts or causes the paranormal. And it seems to be the case with a lot of these, but do you think that, uh, war-torn areas will be more haunted than regular areas. Do you think that, you know, bases and and um, military installations will be more haunted than regular areas? What do you think? You, you tell me, because I don't know. All I know is that um, based on the amount of stories that I've seen, there's something happening, and I, I really respect these eyewitnesses because they're the military. These guys know what's out there. They know what they're seeing on a daily basis, and it's not the regular stuff. What they're seeing is something paranormal. All right. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Savig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. So I get even on up, so I get on up, so I get in on up, so I get in on up, so I get in on up.